Before we begin, I'd like to point out I have the full English Wikipedia page open, and uh, it says it's part of a series on meals in the sidebar, and under meals, tea is listed twice. And if you hover over one, it says Wikipedia slash tea, and the other one says tea, parentheses, meal. (laughs) It feels like a Lord of the Rings joke. James Thompson, noted game designer for the about screen of Peacock, an app that I'm not entirely sure I've ever heard of. What did you have for breakfast? Well, th- this starts like a paragraphs of things here. Um, <laughs> so I always have the same three things um, mm-hmm. for breakfast, We're assuming that it's a normal breakfast and not a special breakfast. But, so, glass of orange juice. Specifically, Spanish blood orange juice. Whoa. Sanguinello. Whoa. Because it has that sort of more towards sour kind of... It's got a kick to it. I almost want Brian to, like, dub in right now, like, the theme theme song to Dexter. When he's, like, juicing the blood orange. I have a bowl of cereal, you know, that generally rotates. I mean, the the contents changes, not the bowl physically rotates. But... (laughs) Currently, I'm having apple and cinnamon granola, but it's usually, you know, cornflakes or shreddies or something like that. Do you get shreddies there? I don't think you do. Don't we call those mini wheats or something like that? I think wheat checks, something similar. I think we have the same thing, but it's called something different. Yeah, there's so many things like that. And then they unify the names. Like there was a, uh, we used to have a chocolate bar here called a Marathon. And it got united to become a Snickers bar. And we lost our chocolate bar. Oh, no! No. Is it the same, like, stuff in it? Oh, yeah. I mean, it's identical. It's literally just the packaging that's changed. But it's become, you know, globalized. Um, Anyway. That, that that's for a different chocolate podcast <laughs> i have a question before before we continue i have a question that i think is on everybody's mind and that is how soggy do you like your cereal um so i i have to eat it within about three seconds of adding the milk yes oh james oh james all of us over here on team soggy are really upset that you're not on our team <laughs> i will like get when I'm like putting breakfast stuff together, you know, I will have the bowl with stuff in it and a little carton of milk and I'll bring the carton of milk into the living room where I'm going to be eating my breakfast. Um, and then I'll add the milk then because if I add the milk in the kitchen, the the, the literal 10 seconds it takes me to walk uh, to the other end of the flat. No, it, it, then it's wrong. I knew I liked you, James. This is amazing. <laughs> I'm so upset. And, and what this means is that the milk will then tend to sit out for a while, which it shouldn't, uh, because I'm too lazy to get up and put it back in the fridge. But <laughs> that that that's the price I pay for having to have it uh, just like that. So for milk, so I, I get confused by American milk. Um, over here, we have generally three kinds. You get full fat, semi-skimmed, and skimmed. Uh, and I know over there you, like, do percentages and weird things like that on your milk. We sure do. I thought you were going to say, like, I'm confused by American milk. Over here it comes from chickens and we refine <laughs> the egg yolks. And that, okay, so I'm glad it still comes from cows. Very good. No, no, no. Generally, as far as I know, all of the milk that I 
drink comes from cows. Excellent. Now you have to look into it. I probably don't. (laughs) So when I was, the first time I was in the States, I was in the supermarket and like looking at these 13 different kinds of milk that were in the, the refrigerator in the supermarket. And it's like, well, I generally, you know, I'll get skimmed or semi-skimmed. And I saw one that said half and half. And I thought, well, that sounds about right. <gasps> oh. oh, no! <laughs> no, James! You know, that that sounds, you know, that must be the, the medium semi-skimmed one. It's I'll get that. <laughs> it wasn't. And I'm still scarred from that. It's half cream, half milk. I, I realized that after it sort of <laughs> slooped out of the carton. Oh, my God. That is the best story I've ever heard. I, I, I don't quite understand the percentages either. It goes skim, 1%, 2%, whole. I don't know how they go from 0, 1, 2, and 100. It's kind of like how much they water it down. I don't think it's as simple as like... This is two percent milk, ninety-eight percent water. I don't think that it's that, but like it, it corresponds to how much the milk is watered down, and therefore like how low fat content it is. Well, I assume from the name, and I'm not speaking from any knowledge, that the skimmed, uh, semi-skimmed reference to like skimming cream off the top in some fashion. Probably, because I think some people still refer to like one percent milk as skim milk. I've, like, been calling it that ever since I was a little kid. So the the third thing that I have every single day is a banana. Uh, so I'm worried about bananas. Why? So I assume you've heard that the banana is going to die. What? I have not heard this. Okay, we've got a good story. Oh, my so God. So all bananas, as you know them, will probably die out in your lifetime. We have to stop this podcast right now and go save the bananas. It, it it's it's too late. No. So, okay. Let let let's back it up a bit. You know how bananas are all clones. I no, I, no, do I don't know that. I do now. Okay. So bananas, all the current banana, they're they're sterile. So all bananas are clones of one plant that comes from England, the Cavendish banana, and they're because they're clones, they're not very resistant to disease. Now, the Cavendish banana was introduced in 1947 uh, because the previous banana that we used to eat was called the the Grosse Michel or the Big Mike. And that banana was apparently far more tasty than the bananas that we have now. Wait, I'm sorry. You say Big Mike and you mean like Big Mike Hurley, right? Like it's a banana that is like royalty in Mike Hurley. (laughs) When I said the name, yes, I I swapped the I for a while. (laughs) That's what I heard too. I'm glad we're on the same page. So these bananas, like, were what it's what was eaten before about 1950, and a fungus came along, an evil fungus, a topic which I think we will come back to. This fungus destroys the fruit. It's called Panama disease. I hate it. And version one of Pam- Panama disease took out the big Mike. Um, so they had to switch banana to this clone banana. But this clone banana, there's a new version of the Panama disease called, uh, I can't remember, it's like, it's version four, basically, of this disease. And that can affect the Cavendish. And if this fungus spreads to the banana plantations, it's going to wipe it all out. So they're currently, they're trying to find a new banana that's resistant. But I think all the current candidates don't taste quite as nice as our current bananas okay i have an idea i have an idea i have an idea i've just solved this whole thing okay okay yes uh the representative from boston truge 
So, um, hi, I'm on the National Slam Poetry team in Boston. I'm very well qualified to talk about bananas. So we go to the grocery store Mm -hmm. and we pick up a bunch of bananas Mm -hmm. and then we put them in a room Mm -hmm. and we just like, like talk them up. Like we hype up these bananas and then they (laughs) feel so good about themselves that they are resistant to disease. I, I like the plan, but they're also still sterile. <laughs> but, like, don't tell them that. Not with that attitude. Okay. So, <laughs> so they're currently, they're trying to come up. There's, like, I think there's, you know, teams of banana scientists are currently working on, you know, like, genetically modified bananas and different varieties of bananas. But there's nothing, I think, currently in place to replace the current banana i'm so upset right now i've never been so upset in my life well it's it you know it's tough love i have to tell you these things i i don't want to keep them <laughs> well i'm glad i know so the next time i see like a banana kickstarter i'll be like yeah i'm gonna throw my whole salary at this right now have you ever had banana sweets you know like a sort of foam banana or some kind of banana flavored confection right yes i don't love yes. those though i don't like banana flavor ah you see so banana sweets don't taste the same as current bananas. And you think, oh, you know, they've just done a shoddy job at matching the flavors. But no, it's because the artificial flavoring in these sweets is based on the taste no. of the Big Mike, oh my not the God. Cavendish. A conspiracy. Mike Hurley! Come on, Mike, why'd you do this? Yeah, I mean, I read that on the internet, so it must be true. It's definitely true. <laughs> but yeah, so... That's why banana sweets don't taste like bananas, because bananas don't taste like bananas. You've just changed everything for me. Let's take a second to talk about bananas. Okay. I, like, love those little guys. I do, too. I mean, as was pointed out, my uh, app has an about screen that has many bananas in it. And that's because I have a banana every day. So it's usually there's one sort of sitting in front of me as I'm thinking about things. High in potassium. (laughs) I thought it was a reference to Donkey Kong, James. Well, it's a... it's a multi-layered reference. It's got layers and peels. The the reason that I chose the banana actually is that it has a really good shape because it bounces well and like spins around and does things with physics. Oh yeah, that's right. Because your original about screen was just the uh, flinging things at the logo, and uh, you threw in a banana, and it like bounced around in a really interesting way because it looks like a boomerang. That's really cool. This is still contributing to my Dexter theory that you're like I picked bananas <laughs> because they bounce well. That's, like, kind of sinister. (laughs) I'll try and say things in a slightly less sinister accent. No, that's fine. I think, so, speaking of P-Calc, Brian, can you explain P-Calc for folks like me that do not know the math thing at all? It is simply the best calculator on macOS and iOS. Uh, I don't, I'm not capable in uh, explaining everything about why it's so great. Uh, I use it for addition, subtraction, multiplication, and car driving, and that's about it. So, James, could you explain <laughs> what makes PCALC so special in terms of, uh, you know, the more scientific things you've thrown in there? Well, well, that is a very good question, um, and I'm not prepared to give an answer, but... Um, <laughs> I'm really bad at sort of marketing my own products. You know, it's like I can create things, but then if you want me to actually say that they're good and why they're good, I I have great problems with that. Just give the bare bones explanation and you can even say it's crap if you want, and then I'll come in and say it's great. Um, Well, PCALC is just a, uh, it's a scientific calculator. It does have 
uh, a variety of conversions in the cooking section, which could so many. almost tie it in to the topic of the podcast. Great time. And it's also 25 years old. Such a great Because I, I started it when I was a child. That is as old as I am. Yeah. Shh, don't, the, the, don't say that. Uh, yes, me too. <laughs> no, Brian is younger than that. Shh, come on. The number of people who have said that uh, and thus make me feel instantly uh, old and decrepit. Uh, <laughs> yes. But I started it when I was at university. And it's sort of some of that code, the same code that I wrote 25 years ago is still running. And that is terrifying. But uh, people seem to like it. And I kind of lost my mind last summer. And the About screen turned into a sort of 3D augmented reality car driving video game thing. And I literally just... Uh, hired a composer who's written a soundtrack for it, which went in in the latest version. I love that. It is excellent. It it it's a it, you know writing a calculator. It it is its own reward, of course, but uh, getting to do silly creative things as well uh, helps me stay sane. Well, so this is actually the question. This is the question that I was going to ask, and I think that this is what everybody is thinking and just is waiting for me to ask, and that is. What would a calculator have for breakfast? <sighs> I, I, I'm thinking it's going to be some kind of breakfast cereal where all the, the like little pieces of cereal are shaped after, you know, like plus minus times, ah! that, that sort of thing. I love I, that. I haven't got a good name for it yet. But, uh, They're called calculators. We can go with that. We can run that past legal. <laughs> Here, how about this, though? Let's call them checks. Oh, because you check the math on things. No one else is using that name. That's perfect. No one else has used that name. It's a perfect serial name. Yeah, I've been taken to court at least once in my life. Let's avoid the (laughs) Nabisco or whoever is his lawyers. I want you to know, James, that yesterday when you were like, what should I prepare? I was thinking to myself, like, I'm going to ask you what a calculator has for breakfast and you're not going to be prepared for it. So thank you for... For indulging me. Well, I, I'm glad that I came up with something vaguely <laughs> sensible. That was a very good answer. But also maybe P-Calc would have banana for breakfast. Yeah, I think because P-Calc is me. <laughs> uh, some very quick follow-up for those in the States. Uh, Shreddies uh, that we referenced earlier is basically checks. It's like a hollow, woven, crunchy cereal. And it looks really tasty. So James, you got a good taste in cereal. Thank you. I'm really into those, but I really like them when they get really soggy. And then... You hold them up to your partner's ear and you go, listen to how soggy my cereal is. And he starts to gag. At which point, I hope that they are rest from your hands and thrown in the bin. (laughs) (laughs) Nope, because I'm playing Overwatch when she does this and it is impossible for me to do anything about it. Well, thank you for this insight into your home. Oh, God. Uh, So that's what James had for breakfast. Truge, very quickly before we jump into our main topic. What did you have for breakfast? I'm eating it right now. It's two pieces of rye amidon toast. Rye amidon toast. Excellent. Spelled R-Y-E amidon. Uh, I... (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> because, of course, I'm the one person who has had so, like, I, I don't have breakfast food for breakfast when we record the podcast because I'm a terrible person. Uh, I had, in the most American way possible, 
reheated leftover barbecue french fries from a barbecue shop I went to a few days ago, which included cheese sauce, barbecue sauce, bits of meat, and uh, like a Cajun spice, and then a cup of AeroPress coffee that my family thinks is too strong. So I am the counterpoint to the extremely not American uh, James Thompson, and I'm the stereotypical <laughs> American Brian Hamilton. And Truge is in the middle just being Truge, a little octopus in the middle of the Atlantic Ocean bridging the gap. Um, the other, so just to illustrate for those of us at home, uh, who don't know, Brian, did you take those barbecue fries with you from Boston to New Jersey? Yes, I did. What's wrong with that? I wasn't going to let them sit in the fridge for days when I visited New Jersey and not eat them because they were delicious. I guess they would get lonely. Yeah, you're right. You were good to do that. I, well, I mean, I kept it in the bag with the pork belly and the grits that I got them with. Oh, God, this is so good. Uh, if you're in Boston, go to the smoke shop. It's amazing. But uh, yeah, it's it was a delightful breakfast, and it is the most inappropriate breakfast food I could have had for this podcast. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, really, you should have had everything deep fried in some fashion. Uh, last weekend, I think I sent a picture of the full Scottish breakfast that I'd had. Oh, it was so good. Oh, it looks so good. It'll be in the show notes, y'all. Uh, it, you know, it's mostly fried. There's some toast, fried egg, uh, baked beans in a tomato sauce, uh, bacon, normal sausages, square sausages. Uh, mm. There was some fried black pudding. Um and a fried potato scone, uh, otherwise known as a tatty scone, which is not a scone or a scone in any fashion that you know. It's more <laughs> like a sort of flat bread made of flour and potatoes. Um, and uh, yes, there was, I think, like half a tomato to make the whole dish like seem vaguely healthy. And uh, usually uh, also a side of mushrooms. However, mushrooms are horrendous. And mm. I don't want them in any food uh, as we've already established, the mushrooms are killing the bananas. Oh, my so... God. <laughs> Come on, James. Don't do this to me. I don't trust them. Do, do you want to kill the bananas, Brian? Yes, but with my teeth when I eat them all delicious-like. <laughs> I hate mushrooms. I hate them so much. I used to have on my OkCupid profile, like, under the section, like, what do you spend a lot of time thinking about? I put under that section, like, why do mushrooms have to grow like that? What are they trying to hide? And I feel that way about it. Yeah, I mean, mushroom, you know, that as a name, that sounds okay. But if you just say fungus, you know, it just, it grows, like, on the sides of trees and weird places. And it's just, no. Like, commercial mushrooms, they, like, make these little sheds, and they make them completely dark, and then they just have, like, these bins of, like, dirt, and then, like, mushrooms grow out of them, and I won't have it. I just won't have it. It's the taste, it's the texture, it's the... Yeah, don't don't you start bringing cheese into this or anything like that, if you're going to say that, oh, mold is bad, or... Yeah, cheese is mold. It's a delicious thing that you eat, and it's mold. And there's other things in nature that are mold and bad, and there's other things in nature that are fungus and bad. But mushrooms are fungus and good, and you eat them, and they're tasty, and they go on sandwiches and traditional full breakfasts. And mm, fine. not in my sandwiches. <laughs> no, 
no, no. Any in mushrooms and sandwiches, that sounds even worse than what I expected of you. Every once in a while when we're ordering food, Brian will be like, oh, we could get this, but it has mushrooms on it. And he says it in a way that makes me think that, like, he thinks I'm going to be like, oh, that's fine. I can deal with mushrooms. But I'm always like, no, let's order something else. Anything else. Yeah, once a mushroom gets in, you know, even if it's on the top or whatever, it just contaminates. It infects the whole thing. <laughs> That's the whole thing fungus does, is it sort of grows and spreads and sort of where you can't see it it's growing everywhere and that's mushrooms well step zero is that you have to invite the mushroom in and then once the mushroom is in you have to be cordial to it and then eat it and put it on top of your dishes before it strikes and eats your neck yeah i was gonna say aren't you talking about vampires which i think is slightly different (laughs) wait what i think the twilight series of movies would be quite different if it was about (laughs) mushrooms I think Brian might edit this out, but I do want to say on this podcast that Brian Wesley Hamilton has read and seen read all of the Twilight books and seen all of the Twilight movies. I have only seen the first two. Thank you very much. But you've read all of the books. I read all of the books. I may cut this out. Who knows? <laughs> Look, I have nothing against the Twilight books or films in any way. I have things against mushrooms. Have you read the Twilight books or seen the Twilight movies, James? I I have not, but I do not wish to judge anyone's choice in uh, literature. Or fungus. I mean, I have as well. I mean, I was in eighth grade once, but like, I wanted to illustrate for this podcast and also maybe embarrass my partner (laughs) a little bit. I had a childhood formative mushroom experience, which I think is probably shared by many people, in that I had some... Uh, some dinner uh, which contained mushrooms and I would not eat it and I was a small child at this point and I refused to eat it and I was told you know well you can't leave the table until you've eaten you know your food and so I I sat there with this pile of cold mushrooms and I sat there for hours and I, I think eventually I had to eat the cold mushrooms and my oh. mother, I will say, my mother completely denies that this happened because <laughs> she says that it happened to her and she would never do the same thing to her own child. Oh, my God. I don't know how I could have invented this whole, you know, memory of this because it's it's very clear. I can visualize it. And I think it was, yes, from that point on, it was like, no, no mushrooms. I definitely thought you were going to say that, like... You had to sit at the table and, like, you know, eat until the mushrooms were gone. And that while you did that, you were like, I want to make a calculator app. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I should point out I was in my, well, how old was I? And I, okay, I was 19 when I started. So I was probably slightly That's more. so weird that your mom was making you finish your plate of food at 19, huh? <laughs> yeah, I don't know. But I still lived at home, so... <laughs> We are here to uh, talk about our main topic, the uh, the full breakfast, which uh, James had touched on a little bit earlier, but this is what I want to dive into for the rest of the episode. James, could you, for the folks at home, talk about uh, what a full breakfast is in a very, very, like, general sense? So I think that there, there are multiple variants of what I would consider the full breakfast. There's usually, you know, is regional. So you've got a plate, a plate of sort of fried foods mostly meat based and within each certainly within each country in the uk and probably further afield there's like certain substitutions made so yeah in scotland you'll get some haggis or black pudding or something like that so i we need to take like some time to talk about black pudding yes because i i have read what it is 
and I do not understand. But I've been told that I would love it. Well, um, okay. So, assuming that you eat animals. I do. Right. Um, you don't have a problem eating the flesh of the animals. Generally not. So, why not eat their blood as well? I mean, math checks out. (laughs) This is the most punk rock thing I've ever heard. (laughs) James Thompson, most punk rock developer out there. Look, I, I will send you a photo of me in my young goth days. <gasps> yes! Oh my god, I need this so badly. Not for the show notes. <laughs> <laughs> but like, I that's I think that's the thing about like black pudding that I can't get over. But the thing that makes me like desperately want to try it is like, I spent so much of my like, I don't know, college years being a like smartass. And anytime anyone would ever say like, oh, what do you want to drink? I'd be like, the blood of my enemies. And so, like, it just, it sounds, it sounds so punk rock, is all I'm saying. And I just, I can't even visualize what it would taste like. I I think if you just substitute the word flesh whenever you would say meat, you know, it's like, what what are you going to have? I'm going to have a flesh sandwich. (laughs) I mean, that's pretty fair. Yeah, that's fair. So, you know, haggis is kind of like the opposite in that you take all the stuff that's inside the animal and sort of grind it up and turn it into a sausage. Whereas this is like just the the blood. It, we don't, you know, don't leave anything behind is really mm-hmm. what we're saying here. And, you know, it's got oats in it and stuff. So it's like oatmeal. Yeah, it's like oatmeal and instead of milk, um, it's blood. <laughs> and you form it into a sausage. So what function does the blood serve, like, in the dish? Is it, like, an oil that you fry it up in? Is it, like, a... No, no, no. It, it's, like, it, it's it's pretty solid blood. It's, like, you have um, the... I think the ingredients, it's, like, the, the some of the fat, some of the blood. It's not the meat, basically. And I think it's pretty much a lot of blood. <laughs> <laughs> it's just, by volume, a lot of blood. Yeah, and you get it's a it's a sort of nice sort of dark black color as, as you know all good goth food should be. True. <laughs> oh my god! I have had black pudding uh, a few years ago when I was visiting uh, London for a study abroad trip, and I enjoyed it. I had a full English there after a night of hurry uh, drinking, and I loved it. Like it was such an excellent like composition of fats and meats and everything. It was so perfect. And then I tried the black pudding. I was like, huh, you know, it, it's weird on paper, but I am like strikingly inoffended by it. I think my next step for it is getting over any sort of uh, weirdness toward the fact that it's blood. So I need to you know do that next, and then maybe I'll be a little bit more in love with it than I am right now. <laughs> Yeah, I think what I might do here is sort of just put you off all kinds of uh, animal-based stuff, but I don't really see the difference between, you know, eating the flesh of the animals, the intestines of the animals versus the blood of the animals. Well, I mean, that's a really interesting way of putting it. It's it's like, because to me it sounds like so weird, like so out of my like range of knowledge, but also like you know that's what that's what culture is that's what being from different cultures countries is about i was gonna say cultures that's culture and country mixed together (laughs) what else goes into a full breakfast so what else we've got we've had so there's baked beans and tomato sauce i don't know if you do that really over there there's bacon there's sausage there's the square sausage which is kind of 
it's sausage meat not in a casing sort of formed into a square cut mm. about a centimeter thick kind of thing and fried we've got stuff like that in uh in america we have like you you can go to the grocery store and buy straight up sausage meat that's not in the casing and then use it like to fry up a patty or uh or you know something like that yeah it's that kind of thing you know I, in all of these things the what the actual meat is is generally not specified or you know <laughs> we can make assumptions but uh, I think it will probably say it in small print somewhere, but, you know, best not to read. <laughs> best not to know. Yeah. I, I mean, there was there was the whole scandal in the UK, um, oh, this must be like four or five years ago, where they started doing DNA testing of meat in supermarkets. Oh, no. And discovered that in a lot of things, like the beef lasagna from the supermarket, uh, the beef was a bit more equine than uh, <gasps> it was supposed to be and yeah there was a lot of horse had got into the uk meat supply and there's plenty of you know things where it's not clear you know what is this what is this meat that i am eating <laughs> so yeah there was there, there was some some problems there um and i think it it came down to you know meat moving around the um the slaughterhouses and things uh, and sort of traveling around europe and just got into the cheap end of the the, the food supply yikes um, i mean like people in france eat horses um it's a cultural thing you know why we eat some animals and don't eat other animals is kind of a weird thing true you know as you said do you want to eat a horse and i was like no of course i don't want to eat a horse you know they're noble creatures and you know they'll look at you intelligently and, and all sorts of things but also so do cows yeah well that's what i was gonna say so yeah. i know people that really like cows and and is this the podcast where we all become vegan well no because uh, <laughs> Because the problem with all of this is, you know, they might be noble, intelligent creatures, but they're also tasty, noble, intelligent creatures. And <laughs> I don't think there's a... I think it is good to know where your food comes from and to know what conditions the animals lived in. Oh, yeah, and, for sure. And, and all that sort of stuff. I remember I had a roommate in college who was vegan. And, like, you know, this was a time in my life where, like, she was the first person I ever knew who was vegan. And so, of course, I was, like, I wasn't a gigantic dick about it. But, like, I for sure, like, I, I held her to a bunch of, like, bullshit vegan standards um, that, like, you know, you wouldn't do for someone that, like, just eats a normal diet. Um, and I remember her once saying, like, oh, I know I can't be vegan for my whole life, so one day I want to, like, have my own farm where I, like, slaughter my own animals. And I remember, like, hearing that from her and being, like, so shocked and so, like, whoa, it's like she doesn't even care about animals. And, like, you know, the more that I've grown up now and, like, learned more things, I'm like, okay, well, that actually makes a lot of sense because, like, knowing the conditions in which, like, animals are, you know, under is, like, arguably even more important than, like, I don't know, just, like, blindly eating whatever's in the supermarket. Okay, so I have a two-part question. So first, um, if you had a problem with eating animals, would you eat uh, synthetically grown sort of, you know, may have come from the DNA of a cow or something, but it's not, you know, it's not a cow. It's like some sort of synthetic beef. I think I would, yeah. Would you? Would that count 
as vegetarian? Well, I think there's so much, I, I think it would depend on like what the product being made was. Cause like there are a lot of people, you know, that are like vegan for health reasons and not necessarily animal reasons. So like maybe they wouldn't be able to like eat something that is compositionally essentially meat. It's kind of like I'm lactose intolerant, but there is milk that like is made from milk. It just doesn't have lactose in it. But then there's also yeah. like vegan substitutes that were like no animals were used in the process. Like, you know, coconut yeah. milk and almond milk and stuff like that. So if you could make a synthetic meat that had no, you know, maybe compositionally resembled meat, but wasn't meat, that would be okay. So what about, would you eat... If instead of using the cow, like the cow DNA as the base of it, what about your own DNA? Ah! <laughs> ah! And on the show today, we have uh, noted Black Mirror writer James Thompson on the show to talk about his uh, <laughs> conspiracy theories about meat industries. I mean, it's your own meat. Brian, roll the Dexter music. <laughs> <laughs> Other question, would I be tasty? Oh, yes, of course. I mean, this is, this is the thing, I think, with eating, you know, humans. Why there's a sort of big societal, whatever the word would be, you know, like... Taboo? Uh, yeah, taboo. Yeah, we. I think the taboo is there because people probably taste quite tasty. I mean, people that have eaten other people have said that. I hate that I know that. But. Yeah, I mean, and humans are quite close to pigs, as far as I understand. In the whole, um, I mean, I'm I'm not advocating people here. I'm advocating fake meat made from people. I think I would eat it. Uh, this is not the question I thought I would be answering <laughs> this morning. <laughs> what about you, Brian? Um, I would definitely eat a uh, sort of synthetic meat uh, for me it's much more about the sustainability of the meat industry in america than uh any sort of uh animal rights thing although that would be nice to not contribute to you know eating animals and doing that i would definitely eat synthetic meat because a it would uh take away from the very very wasteful and very very pollutive uh meat industry in america and b i'm sure the meat scientists that would be making this are like super meat geeks like me and would make <laughs> the most delicious marbly juicy tender mm, perfect perfect cut of steak uh hi micah that would definitely <laughs> that like if they could get it to the point where they just like clone the perfect piece of steak for the rest of forever i would definitely be okay with that and yeah it would take all the fun out of it like you wouldn't have the fun of going to the butcher. I just said the phrase, fun of going to the butcher. You wouldn't have the fun of going to the butcher. <laughs> Who's and be the mass murderer now? <laughs> I think I'm a more um, culturally acceptable mass murderer than James Thompson, who uh, on the record just advocated for cannibalism. Uh, that's definitely what <laughs> no, you said. No, no, no. Let, let, let's... I, I, know I don't you're think doing I advocated... I, you know, I just wanted to be clear... You know, I, I, I don't... He just posited a question. He's just asking the question. There are a lot of things that are good that we probably shouldn't do. But where was I? I got kind of off track with the whole um, cannibalism thing. <laughs> um, we were talking about blood sausage, and then we went on to the square of meat that is included in, like, full... Yes, of, of non-specific meat. No, I was going to say, I think there was some scientists who... I think it was cow cloned meat and they made a burger from it 
I remember this. I mean, it was like the most expensive burger ever made. And I want to eat it. Yeah. And because it was, you know, using cutting edge whatever. Also, who are these meat scientists? I want to meet them. You're dating one? Uh (laughs) Yes. Meet the meat. If you're a meat scientist out there listening to Most Important Meal, hey, hit me up. Yeah. I mean, I, I would eat, you know, if there was a good synthetic meat that... I would definitely eat that if, you know, because I kind of like animals and I don't like uh, killing things for uh, my own pleasure. Uh, so, yeah, I, I Convincing. <laughs> yes. Hmm. <laughs> so uh, just one question. You say that you don't like killing for fun, eh? <laughs> I said I don't like it. But that's, that's what I said. Wow, this is a great episode. Oh, yeah. so much of this podcast will need to edit it. <laughs> can we talk about haggis for a second? Yeah, we can talk about haggis. Um, so the first time I had haggis, it was actually vegetarian haggis, um, which is Wait, really nice. And Oh, cool. <laughs> vegetarian haggis, I mean, it's basically just sort of oats and spices and stuff formed into a, a sausage. Oh, that sounds so good, though. It's really nice and has none of the kind of... I don't want to eat the insides of a cow or whatever, um, sheep, more like, uh, aspects to it. And it, it tastes really good. And I think you should be able to get it in the States because you can't get, well, you can get some haggis in the States, but I think the what they sell here is banned uh, and you can't bring it into the States either. That makes um, sense, yeah. Because, the, you know, they, they have some... Some problem with eating awful. Um, but, yeah, so the vegetarian haggis uh, was the first thing I tried. And it was actually served to be by an American. Um, <laughs> and and it, literally, it was probably about 10 years ago, So because I hadn't touched haggis before that. And I tried it, and I thought, oh, this tastes really nice. Uh, and then I tried the, the meat version, which, as we say, is basically, you know, you take a sheep, you turn it inside out, um, and you put it, you put it all in its stomach, and then you cook it. Oh, sorry, you you grind it up first. Um, <laughs> then you put in some really nice spices and oatmeal and, and and other stuff. And so apparently, there's a lot of oatmeal involved in this breakfast that I wasn't aware of. Yeah, because uh, meat traditionally was quite expensive, so you would bulk up all these things with right um, with oats, which are you know very. One of the few things that you can grow in the the wilds of Scotland, um, and yeah, and it, it, it's really nice, and you don't have to have it in. You know, the, there's various degrees, and I would say start with the vegetarian haggis, and that's kind of a um, gateway drug to the the full on um, haggis. But it, it tastes nice. I've had haggis before on that same trip where I did a study abroad trip to London. We uh, we took a train to Edinburgh and uh, I had haggis and it was pretty good. Uh, I remember thinking it was like meaty and delightful and I just needed to unthink about the fact that it was all these things that traditionally Americans don't eat. And there's this stigma, even though, as we talked about, like the meat industry in America is terrible. Um, there's still the stigma around like, don't eat this because this is weird and we Americans eat this good capitalist stuff. And I, I remember loving it. 
Yeah, I can thoroughly recommend, uh, if you haven't read it, read Fast Food Nation, the book, um, which delves into the the sort of fast food meat trade and how horrible it is. Uh, and I read that and I was like, well, I'm never eating fast food ever again. Um, yeah. You know, that lasted a while, but not not forever. <laughs> but I mean... It, the one thing that did call out, uh, I think it was In-N-Out Burger as the only place that had a sort of reasonably uh, nice uh, chain of meat supply. And I believe it because In-N-Out is incredible. Yeah, I really like In-N-Out. It's the one burger chain we don't have in Glasgow now because um, we've got pretty much everything. We've got a Shake Shack, Five Guys, all these Oh my things. God, no way. I had no idea. Wait, no, of course you posted that in The Incomparable because The Incomparable Slack is now just burger talk. <laughs> Which one is your favorite of the chains you have? Uh, that's a good question. Um, I think it is none of the above. There's oh, okay. A sort of small <laughs> indie burger uh, company. I think it's probably there's just the two in Glasgow. I don't know if it's further afield. It's called Bread Meets Bread, with meat being meat. Um, and they do a wide variety of very nice burgers. And I like to think that it's because it's not, fast food as such uh it's slightly better for you uh even though their portion size is enormous that's kind of how i feel about shake shack i feel like shake shack is like a step above fast food yeah i mean i think there's like there's multiple steps and i think some people have regional favorites um i mean i like in and out because it was like one of the you know because i've only ever really been to california uh so that's that's what i knew as the burger stuff over there i mean i've tried like um back when i was uh, i was out and i was staying in cupertino uh and i was sort of on my own marooned in sort of near a shopping co- complex thing and all i could have was um what was it, it was jack in the box and things like that yeah I mean, I'm I'm perfectly happy eating pretty much any of the fast food things, uh, but it there's go read Fast Food Nation. That that is it is a disturbing read. And then listen to me and Brian's episode about fast food breakfast that we did. Indeed. Okay. <laughs> so so if you have brunch, breakfast being the most important meal. Okay. So what is brunch? What is your definition of brunch? The even most important meal. So if you have brunch after midday, is that just lunch? I mean, is it a time-based thing or is it brunch because you didn't have breakfast? Well, we've, we've had this discussion many a time. Um, Brian, do you want to chime in? Uh, I believe the cliff notes of that discussion was it is in the food uh, variety rather than the time of day. I believe that brunch has the sweet... Uh, kind of, uh, you know, traditionally breakfasty things like French toast and pancakes and things like that. And then going forward, you have, uh, you know, the lunch stuff that winds up happening uh, at brunch as well, the more savory meats and things. But then there's also there's this own breed of brunch uh, foods like uh, Eggs Benedict is a big one where you wind up having something that doesn't really fit anywhere else. I feel like Eggs Benedict is the quintessential example of the brunch food. And then also, of course, you drink. So all of those things kind of need to happen around midday, like uh, noon or one. But it winds up being, you know, about the food more to me than the the time of day. 
Interesting, because I'd always thought of brunch as a kind of 11 o'clock thing, so not quite breakfast, not quite lunch. Um, I mean, you can now get an American-style brunch places over here, you know, where you can get your stack of pancakes and your bacon and maple syrup and whatever things that I think of as brunch from my time out in the US like 20 years ago. Mm. Um, But it's never quite the same you know, when you've got somebody making it who's clearly not an authentic um, American or whatever. There's nothing authentic about America. Don't you dare say that phrase. <laughs> <laughs> Conversely, we can't really get a full breakfast here in the same way that you have uh, across the sea. It's like my, I was talking to my mom before I was doing this recording and she was like, oh, I love the full breakfast. I uh, I went to Atlantic City once and I had like bangers and mash and eggs i was like cool that's not all of it but great i'm glad you had the full breakfast there <laughs> i think i missed the fried egg off the list which um yeah you gotta have one of those as well can we talk about the time i tried to make my own full breakfast and failed miserably oh please <laughs> so what happened was i um this was after we had met truge i think i was in i was in the second apartment on that one street i lived on in boston and I had baked beans in a can, and I wanted breakfast. And I thought, how do I combine these together? <gasps> I had one of these in London. Yes, I'll cook them all together. So I went out and got some uh, tomatoes on the vine, and I got uh, some... I think I tried to do some sort of exotic pig product, but the <laughs> store didn't have anything like uh, you know black pudding or something like that. So... I completely mistook the point of the fry-up and tried to cook everything in one giant cast-iron skillet, Uh. and it turned to mush. (laughs) It was so bad. (laughs) I had the eggs in one corner. I had the bacon in another corner. I had tomatoes on the vine still just kind of simmering in another corner, and then I put the baked beans in the skillet with everything as well in another corner. So I didn't intentionally try to make, like, a, uh, you know a scramble of these ingredients, but I wound up trying to cook everything together in one pan because I thought, because it all came in one plate, right? Why not make it all one pan? And it wound up being miserable. Brian, it's so amazing to hear, like, in the past two years, how much you've grown as a cook. You would never do something like that now. Well, I did. That one day I made us breakfast, uh, I made eggs, and I had some tomatoes on the vine that I wanted to kind of, like, simmer in a pan. That still wasn't very good. (laughs) that was still pretty good but we can we can talk about that later what's your favorite breakfast tomato james is that thing that um you include in your breakfast um no because well i mean like if you get the 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 full scottish it will come with like a sort of half a half a tomato sliced and fried or something but it's never a particularly good one and it just seems to be like a kind of token (laughs) you know if we include one sort of fruit slash vegetable then, you know, the fact that the entire thing is just fried meat, um, it's somehow better. But it's not really fooling anyone and it's not particularly nice. Um, yeah, the state of tomatoes, there's, there's probably, you know, a whole, like the banana, there is probably a whole history of why we have really bad tasting tomatoes. Uh, that are very watery and not very nice because they're grown to look nice or something. Or maybe they're exactly. all clones. Maybe they're clones as well. Who knows? 
<laughs> uh, George Lucas's original draft for Attack of the Clones was uh, very, very different. Is a uh, full scotch breakfast something that people tend to make themselves? Or is that something that people go to cafes to get? Um, I think in the sort of bourgeois middle class, it's you go to a cafe to get it. Um, I think the sort of making it yourself certainly happens. But uh, most of the time I've experienced it. I mean, it's a hassle uh, as well. So, you know, uh, there's been a a sort of explosion of, of places that does brunch around here. Um, brunch is taking over the world yeah i I mean it's not something that i would do you know maybe not even once a month you know going out for this kind of full thing because you know it's i i do know it's not particularly good for me um and i think if i had it every day i'd be completely sick of it which is what you generally get like any conferences where you're staying in a hotel and they've got the uh, the full breakfast that you can have every morning mm-hmm. uh, after a while you just burn out on it you know the there's only so much pig-based product one can eat in a week i disagree with that but we yeah, will I, let that slide. I, I don't know what you're talking about but we can <laughs> agree to disagree <laughs> well i mean also on holiday you know if you go on a holiday and you're in a hotel with a sort of buffet breakfast thing you know, especially if it's something that's included in the price of the hotel. And I'm thinking, well, I've got to eat as much as possible here to justify the amount that I've spent on this hotel. And then, yeah, I'll go for the sort of full breakfast every day. And um, I'll, I'll hate myself by the end of the <laughs> Now I'm just thinking of Vegas. <laughs> oh, Vegas. I've never been, like, I've never been outside California. So in my brain, all of America is pretty much like Silicon Valley. I mean, that's that's the truth. There's nothing else to America. Absolutely nothing. You have to come visit us in Boston. We'll take you to get Boston Burger Company, and you'll be like, this is even better than In-N-Out. It's basically Silicon Valley. You should visit. I, I, I want to visit. I want to come to the East Coast. I will. Um, I'm coming to Texas next month, which is going to, I think, terrify me. Oh, nice. Uh, We're in Texas. Austin, which I'm told is more like Silicon Valley. Austin but... is incredible. There's some amazing barbecue there. You've got to you've got to get your fill of pork products that week. Um, I'm sad to tell you. Uh, I, <laughs> I look forward to finding out what Austin is like. And then I'm going to sort of gradually work my way eastwards. Just come to Boston. Just do it. Yeah, because that's something Truj and I have talked about a bunch before, is that when a meal has so many different components and you only have a little bit of it per serving then it's really, really difficult to make uh, unless you're making it in huge batches where it makes more sense, like a restaurant. So yeah. like the reason I haven't tried to make my own ramen, uh, because I love the ramen that I go out to get so much, is because it's like you need to spend you know, 17 hours doing the broth and then another 20 hours doing the pork and then a bunch of other things that like you just get a little dash of, uh, you know, bean sprouts and a little dash of pork fat and a little dash of this and that. And making that yourself and spending all that time just for one little smidge of it in a bowl is impossible to make yourself without, you know, going to all these lengths for something like that. So that's how I feel about the full breakfast. Yeah, I, I think I think that's exactly right. And I think that's why we invented capitalism or, or something like that, <laughs> so that other people could make these things for us. I, I'm going to shock you now. Okay. I don't drink tea. Um, I don't really drink coffee. Are you a robot? <laughs> it has been suggested. <laughs> 
I, I, okay, I'll qualify that. I never drink, drink tea or coffee inside the house. Okay, okay. Mm-hmm. Outside the house, uh, given the choice, I usually have a mocha or something like that. When I worked at my university, after I graduated, I worked there for a couple of years as a sysadmin. And that was the sort of the drink of choice for coffee break, because that's what my boss had. And, you know, this was not a sophisticated mocha because it was one spoonful of instant coffee, one spoonful mm. of instant hot chocolate mm. uh, and hot water. And that was what I had twice a day. That was my first ever experience with coffee, was making a cup of coffee exactly like that in a hotel lobby, like at a family reunion or something like that. Yeah. And I and I kind of grew to like them, but I don't like I don't like the taste of coffee and especially in other things like in uh, food. And I, I kind of just I've I used to drink some tea, you know, we'd have people around and I'd have a cup of tea or something and I just fell out of it. Uh, and I whenever I'm around at some place and I'm, I'm like having like super strong espresso type stuff after you know a day or two of that i'm like why have i got this massive headache yeah <laughs> yeah i mean it's it's perfectly normal to not like coffee or tea i think i mean it's not that i don't like them it's just that i don't have them you know i, I have nothing against tea and there's lots of really nice teas it's are just... you a like not have any drink at breakfast kind of person or like a cup of water like what 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 do you do i've got my blood juice uh <laughs> true oh my god i forgot all about that but and i just like my brain was like oh it's it's actual blood yeah i'll ha- i'll typically have that or i'll have a glass of like fresh orange juice just regular orange juice if i'm out somewhere because you know, they don't tend to have the blood orange juice you know other than that i try not to have any sort of soft drinks like before midday kind of a thing um and it, like coke zero is usually my my drink of choice in the evenings uh or when i'm stuck and staring at something that's where i get a little <laughs> bit of caffeine from yeah it's your it's your work juice it's how you get uh get all those bananas shoved into that calculator exactly i'm just thinking to myself that i didn't make an espresso this morning and i have just realized why i'm less funny on this podcast than i normally am <laughs> my dad made me coffee this morning which is so sweet again the best coffee is the coffee that someone else makes for you uh someone that loves you makes for you um, let me try that again <clears throat> Yeah, my dad made me coffee this morning, and again, the best coffee ever is uh, the coffee that someone who loves you makes for you, and it's really good. He's gotten into roasting his own beans with, like, a uh, popcorn popper, and so he'll get, like, cheap green beans. Yeah, you can pop pop beans. You can can roast beans in a popcorn (laughs) popper. Wow. Oh, my God. I want this so bad. Does it have that sort of faint taste of popcorn to it as well? He bought a purpose-built, or, like, he got a separate popcorn popper from the one that we use for, like, buttery, delicious popcorn. I, I, I like the, the mental image that there are two popcorn poppers, one that has a <laughs> label on it that says, for coffee bean use only. <laughs> That's exactly how it works. Thank you so much for being on our podcast, James. Oh, it has been a pleasure. It has Where been can other un- people find you? Um, the best place to find me is on Twitter, uh, James Thompson, and that's Thompson, T-H-O-M-S-O-N. Uh, and if you have any interest in the madness of my work, uh, try pcalc.com. And otherwise, you can generally find me on the incomparable network uh, talking about Doctor Who or Star Wars or something like that. 
I've started doing this thing uh, when I get really stressed out at work because I've had a really stressful month. I like qualified for a national poetry team and I'm taking another little team to another like college national team national competition so it's been a really hard month for me so I kind of just like sometimes go up to people around me and I just say like kill me and hide my body so they never find me and I was just about to do that not realizing the context of this conversation and (laughs) I'm going to refrain (laughs) that's that's I I mean if I say that's probably wise that sounds like I'm condoning this behavior which i'm not 